Counselor Accents Podcast. Two school counselors who love their jobs. Oh, and they happen to have Southern accents too. Bless their hearts. I am Kim Crumley. I'm Laura Rankler. And together we are Counselor Accents. And you sound like a little horse. I am a little horse. Uh, Are a big filly. I don't know. (laughs) But yes, I have got the, um, I don't know what else to call it, but crud. But actually, it has not really made me feel that bad. But I love the way I sound. And you would not believe how I can sing right now. So Hmm. it is I feel like Phoebe when she was trying to get a cold so she could sound, you know, have this on friends. This, And I really, I'm, I feel, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate how I sound, but just when I'm singing, Adele comes to mind. Wow. Just, yeah. Wait, go sign up for The Voice, like right now in this window. But time. then I would heal, like I would be better. And then the, but this gravelly thing is very, my husband finds it very sexy. <laughs> but what happens is you get this look with it. You know that, oh, you're sick, look. Yeah. So well, anyway, I have been out of commission for um, going on, how many days now? How many days have I been out? of school we were together last Thursday and I was beginning to get this and I was hoping I would give it to you yeah obviously that has not happened yet because we were together you like they need to take my blood study it figure out go ahead talk go ahead I know I need to stop but I've basically licked every door knob licked every pole I can think of to try to get a few days off and nothing. It's like you I are, can't. You cannot. Uh, but this is the first time I've been sick in two years. So, but I'm always with you. It always, and always, always. When I come down with it, I'm with you. That's so funny because two years ago you gave me the crud. I, I did. So it's possible with you. And it's possible. The last time I had it, you got it. So I. Anyway, dealing with the crud, but I've been off work. So it's that it's that kind that didn't make you feel too bad, but you're certainly not going to go, especially in this climate. You don't want to go to work. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm fine, I'm fine. So I just stayed home, which I want to tell you was so needed. I, it was, it was, I was going, I was planning to take off just because what we're going to talk about today, yeah. we get to that level of uh, overwhelmed if you will. And we're going to talk about uh, what that just, we're just going to have a conversation a little bit about secondhand trauma today, our firsthand trauma and our, our possession, our profession, (laughs) our profession in dealing with secondhand trauma. So Laura, if I may, I, I think I, I knew, I know that I am dealing with trauma brain and we've talked about that we've been offering each other a lot of grace because of we've both been in of late trauma brain and we're going to talk about that in just a second but I think I realized that we are not in the minority of trauma brain when in talking with a group uh, we were doing a speaking engagement 
which we do a lot of those, but we were talking to some counselors and I recognized because I see it in myself, I recognized a look. Yeah. Okay. So, and it was great, gracious, wonderful people, but I recognized a look and I thought they're dealing with a lot of trauma. How can we not, right? Because we're in that business. Right. And you're right. You can see it. There's just a heaviness. Just, yeah. And I see it in like our Facebook group. I see it in our messages where people just say things like, is it just me? Yeah. And, you know, people are like, no, it's not just you. And this has been a tough year. And it's, I don't know if it's exhaustion or just a, I I mean, we'll just, I guess we'll unpack all of the trauma, the facets of trauma. And I want to say, this is not just another self-care episode, because I think even those are exhausting and we're, we're not giving you tips on self-care. I guess when we were talking about this, before we started recording, we said a state of the union of us, just kind of where we are and Um, we're just going to kind of get, you know, we do the, everybody has a story episodes and maybe we'll share just a touch of where we've been recently and share a little bit. Absolutely. And I think it's just good. Like you said, to realize you're not alone, that we are going through this together. And, um, I think the catalyst though, that, that for me was when we said, let's unpack this and what we're going through was my school mental health therapist. And I don't think she would mind sharing me sharing this, but we, we of course uh, meet up once a week and she had that same look, but I didn't say anything. And she just, in the middle of talking, she just stopped and she just looked at me and she said, do you ever just get so tired of everything? And I said, yes, yes. And that just that unification of we both understand because nobody understands exactly what we're going through except educators and specifically school counselors. But uh, in that same week, um, my friend who is a therapist, told me that the doctor that she works with, the psychologist that she works with, said that the uptick where he is, is educators, Mm. right? And healthcare workers, makes sense, right? And high school students. So that was the uptick in like who he is dealing with. And another component of this, is a lot of us are dealing with those high school students. So if that's the, you know, if that's where the, the numbers are and there's not enough help, we're in a mental health crisis. So we are, sometimes we're it. Yeah. Um, my friend who is a physician told me a couple of nights ago that one third of what he saw in his care, a regular pediatrician, a pediatrician, he said he, one third of those needed a mental health care giver. And he said, we just don't have them. So we are, this is the world we're living in, Laura. Yeah. This is the world we're living in. 
So um, let's talk a little bit about our own personal, this just right now, right now, what we're going through. So you are actually dressed and ready to go where today? I am going to have a biopsy today because I have. Well, that's not stressful. That's a fun day. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and um, I got it moved up because it was actually not even scheduled for today. My initial appointment. um, And I got it because I had a little bit of what we'd like to call a mental health breakdown and called the doctor's office uh, myself, which I'm not even supposed to call the doctor's office. Like, yes, I <laughs> have the doctor call this special. Yes, yes, office. Yes. And I took it upon myself and called them and had a breakdown and told them, I can't even look at my daughters without crying. And I mean, like, you know, one of those times where you can't pull yourself together, you're crying. Yeah. Like they yeah. say hello, you say hello on the phone. And then the silence, the silence, the catch in your throat, because you know, you're about to have the cry voice. So yeah, that happened. And the lady was so sweet. And she said, Oh my goodness, bless your heart. Cause you know, it can either be an insult or it can be tender. And in this moment it was tender. The bless you heart was tender. It was tender. And she said, she said, most of the time, these things are nothing. She said, it's nothing to worry about. And a little backstory, two years ago, I asked my doctor to look at at a place and she said it was no big deal. And when I went back for a two-year checkup, she was very alarmed at this spot and sent me to a specialist, which, I mean, that's, like you said, that's not stressful to know that you're all of a sudden being escalated to another Yeah. So anyway, for two weeks, you know, Kim, you and I are very creative and that is a blessing so often. And yet we can write our own uh, demise, really. Like, yes, yes. Because we're very creative and our yeah. brains uh, can go there. Yeah. So. so for several weeks, I was planning my own funeral and also my husband's Match.com profile for... <laughs> When he doesn't need me anymore. And I couldn't couldn't love all my girls enough. Like they were just always snuggled up to me, but they would say, mommy, why are you crying? And I'm, it, it was just, it was bad for everybody. Yeah. 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 And let me also say that during this time, my doctor was saying, this is probably nothing. It's probably nothing. But in my mind, I went worst case scenario. I was as effective as I could be at work, but even I felt like I was falling short at work because I was so consumed with my own issues. So then I would come home where I needed to be a hundred percent for my family, but I couldn't, I would get in the bed at five o'clock in the afternoon. And yeah. Yeah. So I was totally ineffective and paralyzed. Because that's what trauma does. And so, you you know, we have this personal trauma that we go through. And we'll talk about just that for a second, just that personal trauma. And then you have the secondary trauma that we'll we'll deal with that. But um, at the same time that you're going through this, right, Mm -hmm. um, uh, just that just life in general, right, is a lot of 
there just just can be so traumatic. But I don't know. Our, a lot of our listeners, I, I'm sure, know that I have a special needs son, mm-hmm. and um, he is the only one documented in the world with his chromosomal issues. So we have gone all over the world to doctors. Uh, well, I say that all over the United States, but we have had doctors all over the world because of the genome project and him being the only one with what his gene has that is ever documented. Uh, we have dealt with doctors from all over the world and he has done remarkably well. Um, but two years ago, his health began to change. He has severe scoliosis. And so respiratory wise, if he catches anything, it is. So the last two colds have put him in ICU that he had. Not just ICU, but wasn't he on a ventilator? On a ventilator the last time. And the last, so the last time he went in. From a cold. Let's just back that up. From a cold. He was put on a ventilator and the world we came out of, it was closed down. We went in and it was beginning the stirrings of this new word COVID. You know, that was, that was, we were seeing it on the news in the hospital. But by the time we got out of the hospital, our school had closed down. The world had shut down. And so um, that, that's on top of coming out of that world and realizing what would happen if he, so, you know, if he caught COVID. So anyway, just dealing fast forward and uh, with what I have now, he caught, right? And so that trauma that, but, but you have seen me being triggered anytime I thought he might get sick. It has literally We've had guests that you've had to just do yourself. Remember, one of my favorite guests was on and you did it by yourself because I literally just shut down. And, and like you said, it, it can physically shut you down. Well, let so, me yes, too. Yeah. We were together after the first cold that put him in the hospital. You and I were together and you would know exactly where it is. But since I don't know history, I don't know where we were, but it was somewhere yeah. significant in Boston. Yes. And you were dragging me, I mean, taking me around on this historical tour. He calls and says, I feel sick. And this was like two weeks after you had just, you, we didn't even know if we were doing Boston because he had been in the hospital. And yeah. he called and we're in downtown Boston and he says, I feel sick. And it is like the world around us stopped. I yeah. flights up on my phone while you were talking to him because I knew. Yeah. We were headed home. Yeah, because it's just complete shutdown. Yeah. Complete now shutdown. His, his little sense of humor, he yes. thought it would be a funny joke. And then I hear him <laughs> on the other side of the phone saying, I'm just kidding. So. Yeah, th- that's right. It put me into a world spin and he's just kidding. So, but anyway, um, you know, so dealing with a, a ch- well, I say child, he's like, he is, he is going to be 25, but he's like a seven-year-old in stature and size and, and mental and is about like a seven to nine-year-old. And if you, you know, there, there are counselors out there who are dealing with, like you said, health problems, their own health problems, like you have had this scare, or they're dealing with family, their caregivers, or 
you know, we have our own lives with this trauma that we're living. And then to take on um, other trauma. And it's that secondhand trauma. And I say it's compared to um, cigarette smoke. You know, you're breathing in someone else's smoke. And the risk of that lung cancer for you as it is for them is real, right? That's a good analogy. Thank you. Sometimes, sometimes the, sometimes these things just, I think I probably read that somewhere. I'm going to be honest no. with you. I'm sure I did not. Sometimes I, I like to think I have, I'm the one who originated this quote and come to find out it's like Benjamin Franklin or somebody. <laughs> so I had to be really careful when I start quoting and then adding my name. It said Kim Crumpy. Right. Because it's usually somebody else. Which we do. So I mean, we will also we add our, our name. And we'll just do it. We don't care. Sue us, Benjamin. You know, whatever. Right. You may have said it, but we, we, we have put a new spin on it. So, you know, dealing, and I think everybody, and, and Laura, going back to our own personal stories, you talked about exhaustion yeah. a, a while ago. Just this whole COVID, when we realized that every, and I believe it was our good friend, Brian Perlman, Mm-hmm. Said that it was it Brian that it said wasn't. everyone is in trauma. Yeah, right. Was yeah. it him? Yes, he said. And that was at the beginning stages of this. Like I had not. Yeah. I mean, to make this about myself, um, I had not really been impacted at that point. And he said, "When we come out of this, we need to realize and be prepared that everyone is going to have trauma from this." So I'm sitting here at my house, not really affected at that point. And boy, did things change for, for all of us. Yeah. And I don't know if you feel like you're up to telling your personal COVID journey, but if you are, I think it would benefit. Well, um, around Christmas last year, well, let me say this, my dad, not to one up your story. I'm not trying to one up you, but he is documented um, as a few years ago, he had some heart issues, some lung issues. And so his whole respiratory cardiovascular system was like rebuilt. And so when COVID hit, he like, he sort of went into shutdown mode too. He locked himself down from March through like, you know, even when everybody else was starting to come back out into real life, he did not. And because he just was very scared and wanted to protect himself and he knew he was a special case. And so anyway, uh, he, he was a counselor and so he kind of um, changed things and was able to do telehealth and counsel that way right before Christmas, he got COVID. His wife had gone back to work and um, she got sick and she brought COVID into the house. And so he had lived his life locked down from March until December. And I was checking on him and he was good. He said, I really don't have any symptoms. Everything's good. Um, And then he was on the tail end. It was like the last day of his quarantine. Um, And he had it. He had tested positive. 
But on the last day of his quarantine, he could have gone back out into civilization and had the antibodies and been all, everything was good. Yeah. He said, of all days today, I have spiked a fever. Yeah. And so it was like the next day I got a text from his wife saying, we've taken your dad to the hospital. And from that point, they put him on a ventilator immediately. He was responding on the ventilator. um, And then when they tried to take it out, that's when he got agitated and every organ started shutting down. Yeah. So they called us. I was at work because I mean, yeah, I remember kids. that day. I, yeah, yeah. I think I was on. Yeah. You called me. Yeah. And I mean, I couldn't go to the hospital cause no visitors were allowed. So I thought, well, yeah. I might as well go be productive at work. And they called and said, Hey, if you want to see your dad, you better come on. Yeah. And I got about five minutes down the road and they called and said that he had died. Yeah. And so that, that is tra- traumatic, of course, but what I wasn't expecting is the students that have come in this year to talk to me and they've lost their dads through drug overdose or they've lost their dads through car accidents or things like that. And just hearing their stories, it's like, you. yes. And okay. you realize how much you compartmentalize stuff. And then all of a sudden it comes out of that compartment and you're not ready for it to come out of that. Yeah. Compartment. Right. And, yeah. Um, and then I remember one day somebody, a coworker came in to talk to me about a friend of hers that was dealing with COVID on, and she said, yeah. they her to the hospital, they put her on a ventilator and it was the same story. Like she's gotten agitated from the, taking the ventilator out. And it's like, all of a sudden I'm crying and yeah, she's thinking, wow, she is really compassionate. Like she has empathy <laughs> and we're just triggered. I, I know. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So when she left, I mean, I had to have a moment just from that from that trigger. Yeah. Um, and, and we're spe- expect we have all of these. And and you know, we're telling our stories and not to say, you know, that you guys don't have your own because we know we say everyone has a story and everyone has trauma. And so it's just to go forward, like you say, we're being we're being triggered by mm-hmm. our own um, past experience, and we're still having to deal with students and their issues. Uh, and this is—I I keep going back to this word—exhausting. It's exhausting, and I think that we were going on adrenaline. Like we're going to do this. We can get through this. And the whole country is, you know, this is yay for 2020, you know, 2019's over. And as we are realizing, and that's the look that I'm talking about is we are exhausted and we don't want this to sound hopeless because let me tell you, uh, Laura and I do have trauma, but we laugh. We love life. We're joyful. We are, you know, I mean, we still have all this. We're just saying today, we recognize this and you fellow school counselors, we recognize that with each other. So um, I'm just looking at, go ahead. Well, I love your point that you just made, because I think that sums it up so perfectly because so many of us missed out on in-person school last year. 
Yeah. And so there was just this level of excitement about getting to go back into the school building and things starting to go back to normal where we get to actually be in the building with our students. And there was this excitement. And like you said, adrenaline, that's perfect, a perfect way to explain it. And then we get back in with our students and we realize we've got about a year and a half of pent up trauma, pent up experiences that are like, we're having to learn to get along with each other again. You know, we, we have some products out on teachers pay teachers and um, we don't do much with them, but I still get notifications on my phone whenever something, uh, when people buy a product, our number one most bought item from Uh August to right now. I don't know. I don't know what it is. What is it? it? I really don't. Relational aggression, small group. Oh, okay. And usually that doesn't start selling until March and April. That's when the sales for relational aggression, small groups start picking up. Yeah. So the fact that people are buying that in August, September, October, like right now. Yeah. Speaks volumes about the state of our, our, our gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, that is really telling. There's a lot of, yeah, that's very telling. Yeah. So we were going on adrenaline. I think you're exactly right with that. I don't know if that's a Ben Franklin quote or if that's a you quote. (laughs) I'm going to take that. I'm going to take, I'm going to say that's my brilliant quote. So um, I want to just talk about some of the signs that, and, and I know we've said, and we've said this has been done and done and done, but, um, just because I think that school counselors, this is our wheelhouse and so many of the teachers that we deal with are mm-hmm. in trauma right now. And who do they come to? They come to us. So I guess our thing is be very vigilant to take care of yourselves because this is this can be a little scary to think about the amount that is being placed on us. So take care of yourself. We had somebody on our podcast and I can't remember who it was, Laura, that said, if you're a school counselor, you need a therapist. Who was that? Do you remember? But I thought, wow, that's just a general, that's a generalized statement. But I have thought about that since then. But you know, there don't, don't, don't hesitate to reach out and get help. Uh, laughter for me is, is a huge coping skill. So I, I gravitate to people who help me laugh, who give me joy and things that make me laugh and give me joy because we know medically that is a, that's a true coping skill. We said we weren't going to go into coping skills and that, and, and that may seem very, I don't know, just very flippant to say that. But it's these little things that you've got to do. Think about this, um, these signs of fatigue and physical complaints. You and I both have dealt with that. Mm -hmm. Feeling numb or detached from students. That can get really scary when you just become apathetic. It's like, and I think, how can we not all have some level of apathy? Because we're hearing these horrendous things every day and you're like, oh yeah, well, of course that's happened. Yeah, Yeah. of course. You know, feeling powerless or hopeless 
about the students. And and I've been there. I'm like, I don't know that I'm making any difference. I just feel hopeless. I just feel this is not fixable. Uh, and then, of course, just that difficulty concentrating and making decisions, uh, withdrawing physically or emotionally from people uh, because it's enough. I mean, I just feel like sometimes we feel like as school counselors uh, that we're just being, you know, pecked by a chicken, you know, just continually pecked until you just, I don't want to deal with anybody. When you get home, I don't want to deal with my family. I don't deal. So these are all, you know, things that we need to look at. And then Laura, you know, just that hyper vigilant, hyper being hyper vigilant. I'm not saying that right. Hyper, hyper hyper vigilant. Okay. It's my sickness and my trauma brain. And it's there, you know, I can't say anonymity, anonymity. Was that it? Neither can I say Massachusetts. I can't say it without being vulgar. So hypervigilance about, uh, you know, just that waiting for, I call it waiting for that shoe to drop. Yeah. I think we're like the moat. We say that kids in trauma have the car motor running. Mm -hmm. I think our motors are running and we're just hypervigilant. What's that next thing that's going to happen with our students or with ourselves? So um, let me say this to a couple of your yeah, points. When I was thinking about like how I've been feeling the past couple of weeks with this like huge black cloud hanging over, hanging over me and yeah. I've got to be on a hundred percent at my job. Right. It made me think this is how our students feel. Because I couldn't concentrate. And, you know, when our kids are going through this, when our students are going through this, we're, we kind of get hurt feelings whenever we know that they're going through this and they're not talking to us and it comes out in different ways. And so when you were saying school counselors need a therapist, I was thinking about that just as we were making notes for this, we encourage our students to talk to us when they've got something hanging over their heads. So yeah. why would we not expect the same thing out of ourselves? Right. And so, yeah. you know, whether you're talking to another school counselor, which, you know, you and I are going through different things, but it's almost, it's almost therapeutic. I believe whenever I dump my stuff at your feet Absolutely. And, through it, yeah. and then yeah. you bring your stuff to me and to feel like I can still serve in that role as a helper yeah, and help you. But yet I'm talking about my own stuff too. Yeah. It's just good to have that person. So, you know, if, if you are in a school system where there are several school counselors, just get yourself an accountability buddy. And, Oh, did you just make that up? I do. I did not. So get yourself an accountability buddy. And I mean, even if you've never worked with that counselor before, I think that would be very beneficial to both of you to do that. And who doesn't want another friend, you know, like everybody wants more friends. The other thing that I've been thinking about um, as we've been going through this is, do you remember we were speaking at a conference? I don't even remember where, but we were walking through the the main event area and we ran up on a girl that was having a conversation. It wasn't a counselor conference. We were speaking to counselors, but anyway, and she said she was like having her own little sermon right there. 
Yeah. It's Exhibitor Hall. And she said, happiness is situational, but joy comes from within. And I've never thought about that because we can be happy for a minute or two. We can be happy for a, a time, but joy is what we have that gets us through these tough times. For us, joy definitely comes from each other. It comes from our faith, you know, where we know that we're not exempt from bad days, but we know that there is grace that extends to cover those bad days and gets us through those bad days. And that's where our joy comes from. Um, So I would encourage you to find a source of joy for yourself, not situational happiness, but a source of joy. Really so good. That's really so good. And here's another thing. Um, A very wise mentor in my life years ago. Is this me? um, No, but I don't doubt that you would take credit for this. If you're taking credit for other quotes, you'll probably take this one too. But she, she said to us, you need to ask yourself, what am I willing to fail at? And I thought, gosh, that is harsh because I'm not willing to fail at anything. But she said, it's not, it's, it's not, you cannot put everything on your plate. And frankly, I don't think she's seen my plate at Thanksgiving. Let me just leave that there. (laughs) I can load a lot onto that plate, but she said, there are things in your life that are non-negotiable and, you know, being a mother, being there for your family, whether you're a mom or a dad or whatever, you know, being there for your family, that is a non-negotiable to me. Um, being great at my job is a non-negotiable for me. There are things that are non-negotiable. So during this time when I've had this other thing added onto my plate, I didn't choose this. This is like sweet potatoes at Thanksgiving. I don't choose sweet potatoes, but sometimes my mom would put them on my plate you know, these things are added to your plate and you don't choose them, but you have to make room for them because all of a sudden this health issue was non-negotiable. So I had to make room and let go of a few other things. So that's why if you have emailed us at Counselor Accents, you may not have had an answer in the past couple of weeks because we had to let some things go. And so ask yourself, what are your non-negotiables? What are you not willing to fail at? And what are some things that you can let go? And, you know, for some people, exercise is a, it's therapy, but during times, and and I enjoy, I, I enjoy exercise, but there have been times where that's my thing I had to let go because it's the only thing that I could let go and make time for something else. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. In fact, I was sitting here going, please do a blog about this. But then I realized that it's adding more to your plate. But if you could put this in a blog, I I think this is so powerful. It's helping me. What you're saying to me is helping me right now. So I appreciate it. But you're right. There is only so many hours of a day. There are so many things that we can do. And sometimes we can be doing the things that um, when we're giving up things that if we would stop and think about it, that should be a non-negotiable. And uh, I recently read something about when you're doing something you love, but it's making you so irritable and it's making you so, and and your family is is suffering and you're suffering, but you're doing what you love. Mm -hmm. You got to back up and you've got to back up and you've got to re-examine. You've got to re-examine 
and what's going wrong here? What can I do? I've got to slow down. I've got to stop. And you've got to look at those things. If if you are going at a full trot, and, and I think what we're what I have been doing, Laura, and I've told you this, I'm running to keep from thinking. Yeah. I'm running to keep from dealing. Mm-hmm. And I've got to stop running. I've got to look at my plate and I've got to say what fits on this plate and what's got to go. And I've got to stop exhausting myself as my coping skill. Yeah. Um, and because health has got to be, we've got to take care of our health. We've got to take care of our families. We've got to take care of ourselves, our mental. And um, we've got to have that. I'm just going to, on this that I'm going to share with you, the physical self-care, the psychological, the spiritual self-care, which is so important to us, um, the workplace self-care and the emotional self-care. So if you are running at a full speed and you've not dealing with what you, this secondhand trauma or your firsthand trauma, you know, eventually you're going to be burned out. And um, I think that what we're seeing is a lot of school counselors who are scarily close to that. Is scarily a word? It is. But um, if you have time, please do a blog on the non-negotiable topic that you just talked about, because I think that is, I think that's huge to, yeah. to realize that we can only do so much. But anyway, we have rambled on enough. This is very different from what we usually do. This is just, there was no script to this. This was just us saying, hey, we love school counselors. We're here to advocate for school counselors. We love what we do and we see you. We recognize that trauma. We feel that trauma. And um, while we don't know the specific answer for you, we do know that it's important to stop and take a close look and see where you're at and get the help you need. So good. Well, you can join our Facebook group, but since we're in trauma brain right now, we may not, <laughs> we may not reply to you, but you're welcome to join. And once we break out of this trauma brain, we will be more active in there for a week or two, and then we'll drop off because that's that's the way we do things. So that's even in the best of days, even, even in the no. best of days. Um, what else? What else do we have? Oh, if you will rate and review our podcast, that would help other people find it. Um, and, you know, we are we're always available for speaking engagements. And this is sort of that season where people are contacting us to have us come speak. And so if you would like for us to come speak, then you can go to our website and there is a form that you can fill out. You can email us at counselloraccents at counselloraccents.com. And I think that's it. Okay. Well, good luck on the biopsy. Let us know. By the time this airs, I hope that we will have the results and I'll be 100% free and clear. And and I will not sound like Kim Carnes singing Betty Davis eyes. And let me just say, Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. And then we'll have to get you through your trauma brain because your voice has gone back to normal. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really enjoying this, this sexy <laughs> voice or this gravel that I've got going on right now.